Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. Welcome to The Morning Beat. We're so glad you're joining us once again this week. We're going to kick things off in about 15 minutes with So What Did I Miss? All the stories you might not have caught over the weekend. And let me tell you, we've got a doozy in here, Michaela. Uh, there is a story of a gender reveal oh, party. Oh, Lord of mercy. That's already a controversial topic. But Say no more. This one involves a Bengal tiger. Yeah, you heard that right. Yeah. A Bengal tiger. Justin, look up really quickly for me. Bengal tiger, average weight. Let's just figure that out because I bet you a Bengal tiger definitely weighs more than you. Probably weighs more than both of us. Might weigh as much as all of us combined. How much does a Bengal tiger, a grown Bengal, t- Bengal tiger weigh? One second. One oh, second. it's one second. One okay, second. Well, while that's... you frantically type, Justin got married over the weekend. It was a beautiful wedding. Congratulations again, Justonian. Thank you. Do you feel like a married man? You know, it's it's hard to sink in because uh, I also had to do another wedding right after that, which I'll tell you guys about later on in the week. But Wait, what? Yeah, it was a gauntlet. It Did was you... crazy. I'm exhausted. Okay, enough about Did your you wedding, Did you lose your Justin. virginity? Uh, listen, enough. Enough. He has a kid, um, Michaela. He has a one and a half year old kid. I thought kid. it was funny to He's had ask. sex at least once before. I thought it was funny to enough ask. Enough about the stupid wedding. Can we hear about the Bengal tiger? <laughs> 490 <laughs> pounds is the average for a oh! Females, 310. Whoa! Oh my God! Women are so small and weak, even in the even, even in the animal, even kingdom. in the tiger world. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. I'm ladies gonna claw and your eyes out. I'm gonna claw your eyes out, and it's not even the beginning of our show yet. Can you wait until after news on the beat? Yes. Okay, two guests on the far right, Channel Newsmax, including gay conservative podcaster Dave Rubin, tried to downplay homophobic and racist insults made by former Las Vegas Raiders head coach Sean Gruden, even going so far as to suggest that he was talking about cigarettes when he called people faggot. He said, you know what? Over in Europe, the word faggot actually is used as a, for a cigarette, uh, said podcaster David Harris Jr. in a segment on Gruden's emails, referring to how fags, not faggots, refer to cigarettes in slang in the UK and Ireland. He said... So who knows if that's what he was talking about. Come on, don't try to be cute. Now, Gruden used the word faggot to insult National Football League Commissioner Roger Goodell, as well as, is that how you say it? I know. Goodell, it's sports, I know. As well as other people with whom he had conflicts. He insulted NFL Players Association Executive Director. Oh, God, this guy's name, Justin, say it. Demora Smith. Demora Smith's lips the size of Michelin tires in an angry email. Now, Smith is black. Gruden resigned this uh, last week, I'm sorry, and issued a public apology, but conservatives are stepping up to defend him. Honest lips to Lips the size goodness. of Michelin tires? But not only 
first of all, the fact that they're defending using that word, the derogatory word that has been so used stupid. to gay people, mm-hmm. but he's also racist. I mean, like, I don't understand how people are defending him. But also, you wish you had lips. You've been, you've been spending money your entire adult life to get that size Absolutely. lips. Absolutely. I love my black sisters. They're the most beautiful uh. to me, honestly, and they're gorgeous, juicy lips. I hate people. I hate sports now. Another news. <laughs> now, now you hate sports. Now I hate sports. Uh, another new Senate candidate and former Ohio treasurer, Josh Mandel. Do you know him? No, I've never met him. No. Mm, I just because you're from Ohio. I got it. Who was once denounced by his own family for rejecting his lesbian veteran cousin, was kicked out of a school board meeting by sheriff's officers when he took to the mic to rant about transgender kids in schools in a school district he doesn't even live in. Of course, no. of course. Of course. Mandel was asking uh, to speak by Lakota Local School District Board candidate Darby Body when he began the board members told him to stop because he wasn't a resident or district staff member and he had no business being there but he he kept speaking anyway so the board called a recess which stopped the meeting from officially being reported attendees however kept their cameras rolling as Mandel remained in place at the microphone and declared that the school is using kids as pawns in a political game grow up remember when we were Girl, at, how do you go to a school district I you know. don't even live in well, don't you remember no. last year during the, the Trump's re-election campaign and every single Saturday there were protests of Trumpers yeah, we were in Beverly to Hills enjoy Cheesecake Factory yeah, and they don't live there they don't live there. They came to town every single weekend just to, to protest. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 81 in Palm Springs today, a high of 72 in Kansas City, a high of 84 in Phoenix, 54 in Seattle, a high of 59 in Buffalo, a high of 63 in Cleveland, uh, 91 in, I'm sorry, 81 in Cathedral City, and 82 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day. Here's your vibe of the day. Make today so awesome. Yesterday gets jealous. And then after you do Whoa. that, here's a way to make today jealous a few days from now. Time is running out. Odyssey's We Can Survive at the iconic Hollywood Bowl this Saturday, October 23rd, is sold out. That's the bad news. But don't you worry. Channel Q has your chance to win, to get in, to see Coldplay, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Kid Leroy, Black Eyed Peas, Maroon 5. Tickets are sold out, like I said. So the only way in is to win. Just head over to wearechannelq.com, enter your chance to get four, count them, four incredible seats, a hotel room for the night. Odyssey's We Can Survive benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I love that. Uh, Good luck, and we'll see you there. I will be there. Uh, So wave at me, and I I might wave back. Wave back. If I'm not busy checking out Adam Levine. All right, well, coming up. And Sean Mendes. And Adam Levine. And what did I miss? And, yeah. It's a gender reveal. Oh, yeah. And it involves a tiger. A 310-pound tiger. Maybe 450. It's time to kick things off this week with some of the stories you might have missed recently. If you're busy enjoying your weekend, we're ramping up towards Halloween, and then we're full-on holidays for the next few months, which I love. I don't love this story, though, because, gosh, gay and black conservatives are defending the former Raiders coach, John Gruden, who stepped down last week uh, because of all of the emails, 60-some thousand emails they poured through from 2011 to 2018, I believe, uh, where he used all sorts of colorful language. And that's me being very, very polite. Um, and one of these commentators, they're on Newsmax, by the way, so I don't even know why we're talking about him. Uh, but conservative podcaster Dave Rubin tried to downplay the homophobic and racist insults. Okay, this is weird to me. It's a gay guy and a black guy having this conversation. 
And they say, well, one says, uh, over in Europe, the word faggot's actually used for a cigarette. Um, so who knows if that's what he was talking about. Okay. Listen, if you're saying in the email that we don't need to draft faggots, referring to Michael Sam, yeah, to go on a news program and try to play that off as if maybe maybe he was talking about drafting a cigarette for his football team. You're an idiot. Like, what a jerk. Like, who are these people? How do they get platforms? And this this photo of them on this LGBTQ Nation uh, article, they're like smiling, laughing about it. Like, get with it. And also, a gay guy and a black guy. Like, do you not know the rest of the words he was using? Oh, yeah. Very racist. Yeah. Very homophobic. It's very stupid. problematic. Just dumb. I, I, it just drives me crazy when people can't, when they can't say, oh, this person was wrong. They were wrong. They should do better. That's it. That's the call. I'm sorry. I'll try to do better. It's so difficult for people to be honest, though. It's so crazy. It's so crazy for people to be vulnerable and honest and also do the right thing. Yes. It's just rude. It's just wild to me. Um, so goodbye. Bye. And who's watching Newsmax anyway? Nobody. Like, this, is, this one to me is indefensible. Yeah. Like, there's just no way around that No, one. like we said the story goodbye. and we're moving on. Hire a better coach. Okay, this story is ridiculous. Gender reveal parties are back at it again. Oh, no. We've already said enough. <laughs> we already said enough gender reveal also, parties. Also, guess what? There are a lot of genders. There aren't just two. Yeah, well, listen. A tie Tiger is now involved. A tiger is involved. It's a story that happened okay. in Dubai. I'm kind of into it now. At a resort. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm hooked. The dumbest story. I'm hooked. Um, it, there's a video that shows a tiger leaping toward a balloon, which it pops to reveal no. a pink cloud, no. indicating the expectant <laughs> mother would have a girl. Um, and the post drew more than 320,000 views and inspired 1,100 comments. Uh, so many commenting the defense of the ferocious animal. I'm sickened by the mentality of the people who think that this is okay. Somebody else said this isn't something to be proud of. These animals are not pets. Um, fortunately, this particular incident involving one of nature's most savage killers went off without a hitch, but the same cannot be said for so many. Honey, I want to hear what Carol you're not going to catch me pregnant having a tiger no, anywhere near you. Near me. What's oh Carol Baskin God. have to say about this? That's what I want to know. Has she weighed in? Nope. Carol Baskin's never going to say another word again. She, wants she had pe- that horrible stint on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, she know what she wants? She wants the world to forget about her. Yes, she does, because she knows that everyone thinks she murdered her husband. Yep, but Tiger King 2 is coming out soon, so <laughs> nobody's going to forget about her. Mm-hmm. That's fa- How do we feel about gender reveal parties? Would you no, have one? No, I don't like them. I, I'm, I'm of two thoughts. It's interesting to me because because one of our good friends just did a gender reveal on her Instagram recently, and Who? my my partner, one of our associates here in this in this cluster, she's working right now in a studio nearby. Uh, and my partner said to me, "Is that odd? Like, are we still doing that?" And I was like, "Huh, that is fascinating to me because for me, I want to be able to tell my family like we had a boy, we had a girl, and I'm kind of still okay with that. And I know that's not the most politically correct thing to say right now. I get that." But at the same time, I'm also like, until they reveal something else to me, I'm going to go with that. I feel like that too. Listen, if I find out I'm having a girl, I'm going to say I'm going to have a girl and I'm going to put You're her gonna in You're going to put her in clothes. dresses and bows and all I'm of it. I know you I'm also going to say, if at any point we're going to have such solid communication yes. that I will explain to her that you can be many different things. Mm-hmm. You can be a boy if you, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Me and Lisa have talked about this a lot because because Lisa is very very much a tomboy. Lisa did yep. not want to wear dresses. She did not want any of that nonsense. Um, but differently, when she was five, her mother forced her to wear those dresses, and she said it would have been so different if my mom would have just been cool and let me wear my boy clothes. Well, there it is. So, uh, you a fan of The Simpsons? 
I might have an opportunity for you. Okay. There's a site that wants Simpsons analysts to watch every single episode. Uh, and here's how they're going to pay you. With donuts and also $7,000. Okay. Amen. This is a, like a, a casino in the United Kingdom. Uh, it's hiring someone to watch all these episodes. Uh, and they're going to help this casino further investigate the well-known phenomenon that the Simpsons has predicted major life events. They're going to get to the bottom of this. Justin? I think I have to volunteer for this because I have some experience in this. How, how many episodes do you think you've seen? How, what percentage well, of the, all of I, them do you think I've you've seen? I've seen a fair amount, but I actually attempted the world record of watching the most TV consecutively at the at Hollywood and Highland for Simpson, the Simpsons' 30th anniversary. Justin, Justin why you, do you okay. pull out the most random You have random, the weirdest stories random ever. Random stories. You always have the most... You're like, oh yeah, one time I was, I was in, in I was a music video. music video of Katy Perry or something. We're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I mean, it happens. <laughs> Okay. That doesn't happen. Okay, well, Remember okay. when he met Terry? Uh, they were doing a like contest Terry, together. Terry Crews? No, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. We yeah, were doing you were a playing a like a dodgeball. Yeah, okay. like, like these are the random. Around, around LA, yeah. Well, okay, so random. here's the thing 33 episodes. Yeah. Uh, let's just say 30 minutes an episode. 25 minutes, 30 minutes an episode. Do mm-hmm. the math for me, Justin. 33 seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. times, let's say, 24 episodes a season. That's pretty standard for like those type of TV shows, right? So 34, 33 times 24, mm-hmm. right? Times 22 minutes Times per 22 per episode. 17,424 minutes. Okay, so that's a lot. How many hours is that? I'm going to ask you to do a lot of math right now. Do math. I'm just letting 290 me... hours. Okay, how many days is that? Oh, Lord. 11, 12, 12 days. 12 days. 12, 12 days. days. 12 days, Michaela. You could binge watch all of The Simpsons in 12 days, save the world, predict the future, and get $7,000 and... and Donuts. Listen, uh, to me, I think it's worth it. <laughs> Never. No way. All right, coming up, we had a really great conversation on Latinx HIV Awareness Day. The conversation was so good, we're going to go ahead and repeat it. Stick around with the new Channel Q. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. The internet is clamoring for a Robin Williams biopic. Yeah. Tell us why and what's popping. Okay, well, this is incredible. Listen, when we lost Robin Williams, it was such a devastation. He was the face of not only pure comedy, but also mental health. And yeah. he was so open about it. He was a great father. Patch Adams, I mean. Yes. Come oh, on. God. But fans are blown away by actor Jamie Costa's impersonation of the beloved star. Costa shared a five-minute clip to his YouTube channel uh, titled Robin Test Footage Scene, and viewers were quick to applaud the actor's spot-on take on Williams, take a listen. I gotta try another thing here. More calling us in. <coughs> Come in, your fatitude. Muller! Hello, Orson. Falling asleep on the job again, Muller. No immenseness. Just uh, working on my report on dreams. <laughs> dreams? Well, dreams are a beautiful aspect of human culture. In fact, it happens when you're at night and you close your eyes and all kinds of images happen and it's really bizarre. Well, let's try this one. Well, it depends on all you ask. If you ask Cinderella, she might sing it to you and say, Robin? A dream is a wish, your heart. Robin! Could you give us a moment? Oh, my God. The range, the range in this, because right, so he's, he's on the set of Mork and Mindy, right? This is the idea, this concept. He's in his trailer. And then right after this moment, the actress, Sarah Murphy, who's playing uh, Pam Dauber, which was his co-star from Mork yeah. and Mindy, she comes in to tell him that his good friend, John Belushi, died the night before at a bungalow at Chateau Marmont, which yes. is a tr- true story that yes. happened in, the, in 1982. Because the night before, Robin Williams was with John Belushi. And so, to to capture the essence of Robin Williams, 
is just virtually impossible. But he sounds. And looks. And looks. So good. It's incredible. Yeah, I think that this should absolutely happen. I think that more people, especially this newer generation, really needs to be educated on Robin Williams, who he was. Mm-hmm. He was so iconic. Um, from Mrs. Doubtfire to Mark and Mindy to, I mean, the, the, the Good Patch morning, Adams. Vietnam. I mean, yeah. he's got range. Endless range. Yeah. And, uh, he was really incredible. And, you know, he left behind a daughter, and I, I think that she would really probably love to see somebody uh, show uh, that uh, incredible side of him. So I, I love that. Um, uh, and he has a son named Zach, I believe, right? He shared a tribute about him uh, this last year. It's been seven years since Robin Williams passed away. Um, and, and Zach's been on Let's Go There before uh, here on our on our, on our our station. Uh, it's just seven years without Robin Williams. Yeah. And to also, because I, I think to your point, a lot of this younger gener- generation, they probably know Mrs. Doubtfire. They need to know his other work. A thousand like, so percent. What was, the, what was the one that was really messed up and trippy later in his career? What Dreams May Come. What Dreams May Come was really beautiful and yeah. trippy. But there's one where he played like a psycho. One hour uh, photo. Yeah, one mm. hour photo. Oh my gosh. He, there's nothing he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he couldn't do. Uh, other than apparently you know keep his demons at bay and that is a real real issue it is a real struggle a lot of comedians struggle with mental health yeah. issues and depression and they use comedy as a way to combat that until they can't anymore a thousand percent mm. robin williams was an icon and i think that this would be absolutely incredible so i'm looking worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Forward to it. Coming up this hour on the morning beat. Words like twink, drag, sapphic. Common in our community, uh, but do we know the origins of them? We're going to have that conversation in about 13 minutes from right now. And I can't wait, honey, because a lot of people think they know where the word drag comes from based on what Mama Rue has told us over the years. Turns out there's no factual evidence to back up what she has been saying on RuPaul's Drag Race for all these years. And we're going to tell you exactly why. We're going to track this down and get to the root of some of our favorite words in our community. You ready for that? I am so Yes, queen. Yes, queen. I just want to tell you that you guys cannot get a visual. But I will say things, and I watch our producer's head 
spin. I have to make him so crazy. I love yeah, you, Justin. Yeah, you, you do. I can confirm that. I'll you did a very good job. You did a very good job this week, Justin. Would you Justin, like to explain it's, why? It's my Monday morning. Right now? You did a good job this week, Justin. It's Monday morning. <laughs> so I'm trying to give him a compliment. Okay. Thank you. Take it. Do you want to give us some news on the beat instead? I guess. Take it I away. guess I'll take my compliment back. Senate candidate and former Ohio treasurer Josh Mandel, who was once denounced by his own family for rejecting his lesbian veteran cousin, was kicked out of a school board meeting by sheriff's officers when he took to the mic to rant about transgender kids in schools in a school district he doesn't even live in. Mandel was asked to speak by Lakota Local School District Board candidate Darby Body when he began. The board members told him to stop because he wasn't a resident or district staff member. This story really just gets my goat. I cannot imagine somebody getting in their vehicle, driving to a district they do not belong or live in to continue hassling trans kids. Now they asked him to stop speaking. He spoke anyway, so the board called a recess, which stopped the meeting from officially being recorded. Attendees, however, kept their cameras rolling as Mandel remained in place at the microphone and declared that the school is using kids as pawns in a political game by requiring students to wear masks. He then took aim at transgender children in the nearly empty room. Um, On top of that, he said children should not be forced to learn about whether they pick a gender or not pick a gender because boys are boys and girls are girls. Now, as officers attempted to escort him out, he doubled down on the board's rules, which state participants in public hearings don't have to be resident if they are designated by a resident to speak. Board President Kelly Casper argued that while those rules are true, Body did not designate a speaker on her behalf, but rather had stated she wanted to yield her time. Good Lord, people cannot mind their own business to save their lives. All right, another news. Two guests on the far-right channel Newsmax, including gay conservative podcaster Dave Rubin, tried to downplay homophobic and racist insults made by former Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden, even going so far as to suggest that he was talking about cigarettes when he called people faggot. He said, you know what, over in Europe, the word faggot's actually for a cigarette. That was said by podcaster David Harris Jr. in a segment on Gruden's emails referring to how fags referred to cigarettes in slang in the UK and Ireland. He said, so who knows if that's what he was talking about. This past week, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times obtained emails uh, sent by Gruden over the past decade that involved slurs, racist and homophobic insults, as well as negative views about minorities, like complaining about queers, like Michael Sam in the NFL. Gruden used the word faggot to insult NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, as well as other people with who he had conflicts. He insulted NFL Players Association uh, executive director. God, do it, Justin. Demora Smith. Uh, lip size of Michelin tires in an angry email. Smith is black. Gruden did resign last week and issued a public apology, but conservatives are stepping up to defend him. Harris, who is black, downplayed the racist statement about Smith's lips, saying that it's hilarious to him that in this era of woke culture, people are looking at Gruden's emails from decades ago, even though the first emails are from 2011. Um, hello, doy. It was going on until 2018, and that's what we know. Decades? Give me a break. God, maybe he got hit too many times in the head. That's why he's talking like that. Uh, okay, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 82 in La Quinta, uh, 81 in Cathedral City, 66 in Sacramento, 73 in St. Louis, a high of, oh, don't fail me now, 59 in Buffalo, 66 in Baltimore, 
55 in Seattle, and a high of 72 in Kansas City. Now give us a vibe of the day. Make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. And then later on this week, you're going to make all the days jealous because Odyssey's Week and Survive at the iconic Hollywood Bowl is this Saturday, October 23rd. Unfortunately, it's sold out. But don't you worry your pretty little face. Channel Q has your chance to win to get in to see Coldplay, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Black Eyed Peas, Maroon 5, and more. Uh, like I said, tickets are sold out, so here's what you got to do. Here's your chance to get in. Head over to wearechannelq.com, enter to win four incredible seats and a hotel room for the night. Odyssey's We Can Survive benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Good luck. I'll see you there. Wave at me. I'm six foot five. You can't miss me. Once again, head over to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win. All right, coming up, we love words like yas, queen, slay. Uh, but do we know the meanings of them? We'll discuss uh, what these iconic words actually mean and where they originated coming up next. Come on, Mama Roo. Let's take our uh, listeners to school, shall we? Uh, I'm loving this. We're going to look at uh, some words that we use in our community pretty commonly and have for a long time, but might not know why we use them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drag is a central part of our community. Any uh, any community that has a thriving drag community, you can also bet they're probably going to have a thriving queer community overall, right? Yeah. Um, drag queens are iconic. I was just at the We're Here season two premiere about a week or so ago, and I I can't even tell you how much money HBO spent on these queens in drag. But the word drag itself, according to Mama Rue, was originally an acronym in Shakespearean times that stood for dress uh, dressed resembling a girl. Um, but there's no evidence to back that up. Just because the most famous drag queen in the world says it so doesn't mean it actually is. Uh, apparently, it seems like the word drag first appeared in reference to male actors' petticoats when they played women in plays in mid-19th century. So not too far off because men played females in Shakespearean right. times as well. Uh, but the first man known to use this word in the sense that we know it today was William Dorsey Swan. Uh, he called himself a queen of drag in the 1880s. Uh, Swan was born into slavery in Maryland and post-emancipation organized secret balls for other formerly enslaved men in Washington, D.C. to dress in dresses. Think about this. We're talking just after slavery, Civil War era, uh, queer men, black men in particular in this situation, former slaves, they get their freedom and they're having balls in Washington, D.C. I mean, that is just the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. Like, the courage it takes to do that. Yeah. Well, I want to say, quickly referencing, we came in with RuPaul's new song, and I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Another iconic, uh, you know, drag queen that uh, was a strong black man that's really made history. Uh, this word, I think, is super interesting, though. Sapphic. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? I've heard it, but I don't know what it means. I've never heard of it uh, until we did this article. The word sapphic, just like the word lesbian, honors the ancient Greek poet Sappho of the island of Lesbos, who wrote of her love and lust for other women. Her surviving works, mostly fragments, are some of the oldest examples of women writing about loving other women in existence. I had no idea that that's what that word was. Sappho. Never heard of it as a lesbian woman. No idea, but I'm going to say... While we're doing this, I have a, I know this, I don't want to drag anybody, uh, but it's a conversation. You just said drag. I, oh, I don't want to. There I, it is. I know, I know. She, uh, she, are you giving us a note? 
Yeah, these are the origin of LGBTQ words and terms we use all the time. That's oh. what we're doing right now if you're just yeah. not joining us. Okay, so this girl uh, that I know just started a clothing line, and she wants to empower other women and other queer people. But she uh, uses words and then puts their definition underneath them. And Love she's it. like, um, she, she does like yas or queen. Um, but I think that even for me, like I'll call myself out. Do we think that that's kind of like um, appropriation in the sense of like these words came from something so much bigger than like TikTok or Drag Race? Like, do you have to sort of... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think it's important to know the origin, but I also think that there is, uh, there's, you don't, nobody owns a word. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that, I think that a word, uh, words are so, so powerful. You know, I'm an author. I, I, I understand the power of words. I don't know that I would think of it as the same as maybe wearing your hair in cornrows if you're a white woman or, you know what I mean? I don't know if I think it's the same, um, but I've never really thought about it. But I think that it's important to know what words stand for and where they come from. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And also if you're bringing awareness to origin, whether or not you're the one who originated it or not, because um, every single person who originated all these words is long dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So if you're bringing awareness to it, I think that's always a good thing. This one's one of my favorites because I was one of these for, for many years. Twink. Very common in our community. Uh, Twinkies are small, smooth, cream-filled snacks that are not nutritious but are fun in the moment. Yeah. Right? Uh, And may be what inspired the slang term twink. Um, And I've always heard that one. I've always heard, well, they're they're smooth and they're cream-filled. That's that's how I always heard twinks. That's why I heard people called twinks. But it's also possible that the 1920s British slang word twank evolved into twink. Now, twank referred to a client of a gay male prostitute or a man willing and ready to become any dominant man's partner. Okay. So the submissive bottom, probably. No, yeah, no. I've heard twink. I mean, since I've been growing up, and that they're always like very, very skinny. Mm-hmm. They have like a little boy quality they're about sweet. them. They're sweet. They're fun for a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think these words are super interesting. Come out of the closet. Another one. Uh, that talked about obviously um, being honest about your sexuality, and that will, that goes back to ballroom, out. ballroom culture again. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, we just celebrated a national coming out day mm-hmm. a few days ago, and uh, and this is where it comes from. I do. I actually really like this article. I think it's important to know the origins. Uh, when I say like yes, Quinn, now I'm going to start saying sapphic because now I know that word. I'm never saying sapphic. Oh, I'm so sapphic. Sapphic. That would be oh. hot, though. That's sapphic. That's so sapphic. <laughs> you know what I? You know what I hear playing in the back of my mind right now? The more you know, and the big rainbow and the star. From oh NBC. yeah. Like, that's what I hear right now. I feel that. So Justin, go ahead and find that and add that As here at say, the end of our working super hard. Uh, all right. Well, another conversation we're having. Look, me and AJ met. Yes, in the food industry, mm-hmm. uh, and we really relied on our tips. Why tipping in America? America is such a big deal, and is it still necessary? We discuss coming up next. Let's get one thing straight. If you live in America, you have to tip. Servers here rely on tipping to make a living, and as long as that's true, if you don't do it, you're an asshole. Thank you. But just because that's the system we have doesn't mean it's a good system. And tipping is a custom that shortchanges servers, inconveniences customers, and makes the dining experience worse for everyone. So true. You know, Michaela and I met years and years ago, 15 years ago, working at a restaurant together, mm-hmm. and I was a bartender, she was a server, and we re- relied heavily on tips. And before I came to California, because I think California actually pays a good wage for ser- for servers, we actually make like whatever the minimum wage is out here at the time, 10, yes. 12 bucks an hour back then, right? 
Um, back in Ohio and in New York City, I think we made $2.13 an hour. That's it. So you relied completely on your tips. And I worked at a French restaurant in New York City, and a lot of Europeans would come in and would not tip because it's not customary for, for many of them. So it's it's an interesting conversation. Why do we do it? Why have we accepted this? And one young person uh, shared this on Reddit. I want to read for you. Food here in New York City is a minimum $15. I'm an international student. I only tipped 10% today because I was running out of my free gift card that came with quarantine. The delivery guy proceeds to fight me over it, saying no one tips me like that. No one. Sorry I don't have $5 to pay you after the service and delivery fees, etc. Why am I the one in charge of making sure this guy gets paid enough? Look, I get it. The people deserve better, but I don't I don't like getting shouted at in public lobbies because I only paid 10% for a bowl of rice that I already paid too much for. He's got a good point. If you're coming okay. here from some other country and you don't understand the system, that seems insane. Also, why are we the ones who should be paying tips when the actual corporation who runs the restaurant or the whatever it may be should be paying more couldn't they be i mean yeah we can tip but should 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 servers rely solely on tips well here's the thing i remember when i was a server i got hurt at work and i ended up having to go on workman's comp like i had to get surgery it was a Mm. big deal and so i was on workman's comp but because i didn't claim my tips yeah the workman's comp ended up only being like $150 every two weeks. It was unbearable. A joke. Like a joke. And I couldn't get a regular job because it would have interfered with the surgery that I needed that was being covered. And it was very clear at that moment, like, we're not protected. I mean, granted, yes, you're supposed to claim your tips. You don't because you don't want to get taxed sure. or whatever. It's a whole thing. But you just don't. Most just don't. I couldn't get an apartment when I was in my 20s because my income showed so low because I didn't claim right. everything on my tips. So it's like a, a double-edged sword. Right. But the problem is if you just waited for your checks, those checks were a joke when uh-huh. you were a server. You get I like mean, a $28 money. check, a yeah. $17 check. There's their yeah. check. So I don't think that it should be our responsibility you know, in in other countries, they do. They just pay them well, so you're not forced to tip. When I was in Portugal and in Spain, and I would tip even close to what I would tip here, you would think tears were going to start welling up in people's eyes. They don't expect it. Nobody expects it, and they're happy. They're fine. They're getting paid a good job, a good wage for their job, and they enjoy doing their job. Sometimes I think when you're working for tips, it puts so much pressure on you and you're so stressed out constantly, you don't actually enjoy your job. You're hustling all the time to get to that next table, get to the next table, to get to the next table because you need the tips. When if you were just paid a good hourly rate and said, hey, I enjoy my job, because one of the worst things about working as a tipped employee is you never know what your income is going to be week to week, night to night. And you can't plan for anything. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you how many of my friends in my 20s got married and I either went to their wedding or did not go to the weddings based on how much money I had that weekend a when it was time percent. to book a flight. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing personal. I just had a good month one month and another month was a bad month. Yeah. You know, after the holidays, you got to know January and February, you're not going to make any money in restaurants. Mm-hmm. It always slows down. People spend all their money on the holidays. So, they pull, so then you're broke. Then you're scraping by after you spent money on the holidays. Well, our producer also shared this article with me because on this topic of tipping, I'm planning a wedding. I was just in Mexico this weekend, and I'm going to tell you this. The list of people you're supposed to tip when you hold a (laughs) wedding is insane. Now, some of these make sense to me. Like, we planned on giving our wedding planner a little extra bonus just because she's wonderful. Hairstylist, makeup artist, of course, I'll tip them as well. That makes sense. But then it comes down to things like the wedding officiant, which is a good friend of ours. I'm like, do we tip her? We plan on getting her a gift. 
a nice gift. So that's probably enough, right? Um, how about the musicians? Do you have to go tip everyone of the musicians afterwards if you're already paying a rate? Apparently we do. Photographer and videographer, I'm going to tell you this. When my partner said yes to everything in that meeting the other day. You wanted to strangle him. Our photographer, videographer bill was over 10K. Oy vey. Just for that, I was like, oh my gosh. My little butt was clenched so tight. And I said, absolutely, honey, whatever you want. It's the only thing that really matters to him. He's got a YouTube channel. We'll make the money back, right? He's going to make multiple videos and all sorts of stuff for social media, whatever. That's cute. But I'm like, wait, 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 what? I thought it was going to be like a couple thousand dollars. I had no idea. Florals? Do I tip the florist? Yeah, that's, that's a that's lot. That's a few more grand. It's just, it really, really adds up. You have to also tip the setup crew, the teardown crew. I'm just going to not make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> anybody. Just look away. I'm going to avoid them all. Honey, just look away. Then they're going to look at me because I'm going to be at the wedding and I'll be making eye contact with everybody. They're going to look at me. I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of pesos and just say, go give them to people. If they look like they're working hard, Michaela, give it to them. You can tuck them in your your dress. In my dress. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure to get the not low cut one then so when I dance money, it doesn't come out so I have it. No, you're wearing low cut, obviously. Mm -hmm. Just tip them, tuck them deeper. I'm going to look so good at your wedding. You're going to look so good. And also, Loki, I have a little update for you on wedding, wedding, what are they called, wedding party dresses? Fine, I'm the maid of honor, I guess. You're not a bridesmaid. Because I'm not a bride. You're also not my maid of honor. But I love you for that. I love you. In, in any world, you could be. However, I chose my oldest friend over my cutest friend. She is pretty old. You better watch what you say. <laughs> I just moved you down the line. You're going to be the last person in my You're at the very end. Far, far away from me. Good. The last one to walk before you do. We're closer together. Stop. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome back to the morning beat. It's time for another round of what's popping. First, I do want to tell you that our podcast is also popping. So if you can't listen to us in real time, head over to wearechannelq.com, download the Odyssey app, and you can listen to the morning beat anywhere you take your mobile device. Now, Michaela, I know you're over there trying to mock me right now and make faces at me uh, and try to get me to laugh so I mess up. But it, actually, it's going to reverse and it's actually going to mess you up because it's time for you to now shine and do what's popping. Catch your breath. Talk. Go ahead. Go ahead, Michaela. What do you got? What's popping, Michaela? Shut up. All right. Shut up. I mean, Shut I can up. do it. Okay, I got it. I got it. Bowen okay. Wang, Bowen Wang, Bowen Yang is popping. There, you got me. Bowen's is popping. Listen. Bowen Yang is popping. Uh, remember when Bowen Yang invented shoes? Yeah, of course. Glad does too. Ahead of Spirit Day on October 21st, the LGBTQ nonprofit is auctioning off the Sky High Silver Platform shoes Yang sported on the red carpet at the 73rd Primetime Emmy Awards in September. 
Uh, the auction is live right now on eBay and will remain open until October 16th. All proceeds from the sale will benefit Glad's advocacy work. The Emmy-nominated Saturday Night Live's star's red carpet look was a favorite among queer and ally fans. With folks all over the web complimenting Yang's choice of shoe, on Instagram, the out comedian shouted out his stylist, Ian Bradley. And uh, he looked pretty iconic. The heels in question are the Rancho Platform Shoes in Silver by Syro, a queer-owned femme footwear brand. They retail for $230 and are currently available for pre-order. Uh, they're starting, the bid is starting at $99. They're hot. I want them. Like, I'd go buy them. Here's my issue. I'm six five and a half. So last week we went to the season two premiere of We're Here on HBO Max with Eureka and Shangela uh, and Bob the Drag Queen. And my partner, 6'3", he wore heels. He wore like a, a heel boot, like a six-inch heel, or maybe four inches. And I was still a little bit taller than him. So for me to wear heels, I might break my neck too. Honestly, I would love to see you in heels. No, I will say this. The, uh, currently there, the bid is at $1,625. Iconic! $1,025. Justin doesn't know how to write very well. Um, but I'll tell you this, I do look good in heels. If you scroll my Instagram, underscore AJ Gibson, go back a bit. There is a little video, a boomerang of me in some, uh, like knee high, hot pink heels, some boots. Hot. So if you want to find them, do some digging, Amen. have fun, leave a comment. My uh, social media algorithm is really struggling lately, so that can help me out a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. So there's that. All right, well, coming up. What are grass widows and how are they affecting our community? It's a term I've never heard and we'll discuss because it's actually pretty important. Next. Coming up this hour on the morning beat, are you familiar with the term grass widows? Uh, one woman in particular is on a crusade to share her story and others because she thinks more people can relate. Uh, and, and we're going to tell you exactly what it means. Uh, it involves uh, our trans community, and it's a very delicate conversation. We're going to have we're going to have that a little bit later, uh, about 15 minutes from right now. So join us for that. Uh, Michaela, do you want to do some news on the beat? Okay, two guests on the far right, Channel Newsmax, including gay conservative podcaster Dave Rubin, tried to downplay homophobic and racist insults made by former Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden, even going so far as to suggest that he was talking about cigarettes when he called people faggot. He said, you know what? Over in Europe, the word faggot actually is used as a, for a cigarette, uh, said podcaster David Harris Jr. in a segment on Gruden's emails, referring to how fags, not faggots, refer to cigarettes and slang in the UK and Ireland. He said, so who knows if that's what he was talking Come about. Come on, don't try to be cute. Now, Gruden used the word faggot to insult National Football League Commissioner Roger Goodell, as well as, is that how you say it? I know. It's Goodell, football. it's sports, Goodell. I know. As well as other people with whom he had conflicts. He insulted NFL Players Association Executive Director. Oh, God, this guy's name, Justin, say it. Demora Smith. Demora Smith's lips the size of Michelin tires in an angry email. Now, Smith is black. Gruden resigned this uh, last week, I'm sorry, and issued a public apology, but conservatives are stepping up to defend him. Honest lips to Lips the size goodness. of Michelin tires? But not only, first of all, the fact that they're defending using that word, the derogatory word that has been so used stupid. to gay people, mm-hmm. but he's also racist. I mean, like, I don't understand how people are defending him. But also, you wish you had lips. You've been, you've been spending money your entire adult life to get that size Absolutely. lips. Absolutely. I love my black sisters. They're the most beautiful uh. to me, honestly, and they're gorgeous, juicy lips. I hate people. I hate sports now. All right, another news. <laughs> now, now you hate sports. Now I hate sports. Uh, another new Senate candidate and former Ohio treasurer, Josh Mandel. Do you know him? 
No, I've never met him. No. Mm, I just because you're from Ohio. I got it. Who was once denounced by his own family for rejecting his lesbian veteran cousin was kicked out of a school board meeting by sheriff's officers when he took to the mic to rant about transgender kids in schools in a school district he doesn't even live in. Of course, of course. Of course. Mando was asking uh, to speak by Lakota Local School District Board candidate Darby Body. When he began, the board members told him to stop because he wasn't a resident or district staff member and he had no business being there, but he, he kept speaking anyway. So the board called a recess, which stopped the meeting from officially being reported. Attendees, however, kept their cameras rolling as Mandel remained in place at the microphone and declared that the school is using kids as pawns in a political game. Grow up. Remember when we were Girl, at, how do you go to a school district you don't even live in? Well, don't you remember no. last year during the, the Trump's re-election campaign and every single Saturday there were protests of Trumpers yeah, we were in Beverly Hills. Enjoy Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, and they don't live there. They don't live there. They came to town every single weekend just to to protest. No, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 81 in Palm Springs today, a high of 72 in Kansas City, a high of 84 in Phoenix, 54 in Seattle, a high of 59 in Buffalo, a high of 63 in Cleveland, uh, 91 in, I'm sorry, 81 in Cathedral City, and 82 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day. Here's your vibe of the day. Make today so awesome. Yesterday gets jealous. And then after you do that, here's a way to make today jealous a few days from now. Time is running out. Odyssey's We Can Survive at the iconic Hollywood Bowl this Saturday, October 23rd, is sold out. That's the bad news. But don't you worry. Channel Q has your chance to win, to get in, to see Coldplay, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Kid Leroy, Black Eyed Peas, Maroon 5. Tickets are sold out, like I said. So the only way in is to win. Just head over, head over to wearechannelq.com, enter your chance to get four, count them, four incredible seats, a hotel room for the night. Odyssey's We Can Survive benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I love that. Uh, good luck, and we'll see you there. I will be there. Uh, so wave at me, and I, I might wave back. Wave back. If I'm not busy checking out Adam Levine. Coming up, have you ever heard the term brass widows? We're going to talk in depth and why people are now calling themselves trans widows. It's really sad, actually, and we'll talk about it next. Welcome back to the morning beat. I want to ask you, Michaela, are you familiar or were you before this morning with the term, the phrase, grass widow? I was not, but they are often people that I have thought about, but mm-hmm. I didn't know the name and that there was like a whole community. You didn't have like terminology to put to it. No. Now, now, grass widow is an old-fashioned term uh, for a wife traditionally who becomes so alienated from her spouse that he might as well have died. That's sort of where this this terminology came from. Wow. But it's now being used by some as a synonym for a trans widow, uh, the controversial term for a woman who hasn't come to terms with a partner's sex change. This is really fascinating. The most famous example we probably have is Kris Jenner um, after after uh, Caitlyn transitioned from Bruce to Caitlyn and changed everything. Take a listen to Chris's words. I think going through something like this is difficult because the whole thing is something I've never dealt with before. And I realized that I still have a long way to go before I can process all of this and understand it. And seeing these clothes and realizing that Bruce has thrown them out makes it real. Now, she's famous. That's that's a story that many people are very familiar with. Yeah. Uh, people are less familiar with, uh, with a woman by the name of Karen Ranney. 
refers to herself as a grass widow. And there's a photo here of her uh, with her husband uh, in their wedding picture from 1978. Well, uh, she's now written a book uh, talking about her then-husband's gender counselor um, saying, listen, as your husband goes through this gender confirmation and starts living life as a woman— might open you up to some really interesting, you know, sexual exploration. Your sex life, I believe, will actually improve. And Karen says, whoa, 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 whoa. That might be good advice for some, but she didn't really like this counselor's advice because that, she's like, that was not good advice for me. I was mourning, mourning the loss. Oh, yeah. And the idea of the of, of the of the, the grass patch, of the grass widow, it basically means that uh, you've lost somebody, you've mourned the loss or the death of somebody without actually having a tombstone yeah. there. You just have a grass patch. Well, I used to work very closely with a lot of uh, men that were transitioning into becoming a woman. It was, um, uh, they would come to this particular store, it was in Vegas, and uh, they would have the the accessibility of clothes and makeup and um, a a place to feel safe and I would have a lot of conversations and it was really really devastating because a lot of the wives of these men who had yet transitioned were having a very difficult time um a lot of women were very angry with their at the time husbands a lot of them did not transition with them when they did and I I would feel I feel like we talk a lot about our trans community but this whole trans widow is something that I don't think gets enough attention and I think that it shouldn't I think it should exist because I would be devastated if I came home and Lisa wanted to transition into a man. Um, it's not something that I've totally given a lot of thought to, but I don't know if I would be okay with that because I fell in love with Lisa as a woman and there's just so many things that change, even hormonally. Mm. You know, the, these husbands are starting estrogen um, and then they really do start their transition and I, I feel like it'd be very difficult and I feel this story makes me really sad. Well, she's now living in the Hudson Valley with a new partner, but she says that when this was happening, um, their children were impacted she was impacted uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of conversation that she felt she could have. Yeah. Uh, she's definitely having that conversation now um, in her new book that she's releasing based on this because she said she when she heard Chris Jenner talk about this, you know, we talk about this oftentimes, the power of a celebrity sharing. Billy Porter's yes. doing it and people are opening up and having conversations now. Uh, but because of that, though, uh, she's been able to work on this book and is now sharing her story with, you know, hopefully countless others who can maybe learn something as well because it's so easy to feel like to feel like we have to support everybody all the time. And if you don't support if somebody does make the decision to transition, my partner and I actually had this conversation one time, just out of curiosity. I said, What would you do? What would you do if I decided tomorrow uh, that I that my truth that I've been hiding from myself all this time is that I feel that I'm a woman. And I'm going to have gender confirmation confirmation surgery just to sort of see where the conversation would go. And my partner, Emil, without skipping a beat or blinking an eye, says, I love you. Nothing would change. I'm like, okay, come on. Like, sexually, that would be very different. Yep. I yeah. tend to be, you know, a pitcher, <laughs> if you know what that means. And, 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 and that would change. Did not care. Did not blink an eye. And I kind of felt guilty because I said, oh. I don't know how I would process that. I don't know. And I think that's a very real, honest response. And also generationally. I think the older you are, the harder it is to even think about. This younger generation looks at gender very differently than we did. Yeah. We were taught there were two. But I think that you have to very responsibly understand that they do 
change as a human being with whatever hormones they're on. It's just it's a it's a chemical thing. And I I don't have to have that conversation with Lisa. If we did, we'd give it a lot of time. We would do it with a therapist. Mm-hmm. There would be open conversations in many of them. But I love who I'm with today. I don't I don't know. But I'm happy that she's writing this book. I think well, it's really great. I think it's really interesting here. Uh, the, the memoir is titled The Curated Woods, A Grass Widow uh, her seasons of memories, uh, and and if, if you're interested, check that book out. I think it's really fascinating. Absolutely. All right. Well, coming up, uh, there's a new podcast out with a mother and son, and they're giving you sex advice. Yikes! Find out next. Yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say. You know? Yes. Come on, let's talk about sex, okay. shall we? Okay, okay, okay. It's really fascinating. So, there's a show on uh, um, Netflix called Sex Education, uh, and Jillian Anderson stars in that. Where basically she's a mother who's a sex ed expert, uh, like a therapist, and she has a younger son. And it shows their unique relationship and how they navigate talking about sex in, 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 in their relationship, right, as a mother and son. Well, another mother-son duo over in London uh, were watching this and said to each other, oh, my God, that's literally us. Um, so they decided to create a podcast called The Real Sex Education, and it's blowing up. Take a listen. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. (laughs) Oh my God, that's all, amazing! The guy's name is Diggory. I love that. His mom's name is Kate Campbell. She's been a sex expert for 15 years, and they get real on this podcast. I love it. And I live for it. I love it. You know, I think that initially my reaction was like, "Oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable." A mom and a, a son talking sex so openly because mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Like, well, and your mom, your mom is bisexual or lesbian? You know, she. Uh, who knows? Yeah, she's, right. whatever. Well, she's been with women. She's she's predominantly been with women. Wanted to be with women, mm-hmm. has been with men. And did she talk to you about that much growing Nothing. up, or about your own sexuality? Nothing. Is that we a your mom not. thing or an Italian thing? Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. I mean, listen, like my grandparents didn't talk about that either. Like, mm. sex wasn't even something. I'm actually like deep into therapy right now about this the issue because you, we didn't even talk about sex as something that was like pleasurable, like mm. something that you could enjoy. Like it was always just an act of having a child. Yep. That's and it. so. Um, then with my mom, my mom was like very sexually out there, but never had those conversations with me, which led me to a lot of confusion about myself and my own intimacy mm. issues. And so I actually think it's really, really healthy, this podcast. You know, you just said something that probably for the first time in my life, I actually totally processed another thought because of it uh, in a different way. I think that sometimes when we think of straight people and how they're so afraid of us or they're so like... How dare they? Yeah. Those queers are so out and they're so proud. How dare they? I think, honestly, a lot of people were taught that sex is for reproduction and that's it. That's all. And we have it for fun. 
That's all. And they don't. Well, listen and to this they realization. they like that. Okay, so listen to this. I love that point, actually. You're totally right, mm-hmm. and I think that makes sense. And when I was talking to my therapist, I said, um, you know, because there have been times when I just don't want to be intimate. And I had to go back and look through my life, and I'm like, where do I self-sabotage? Where do I not want myself to be happy? Where do <laughs> the I w-? easier question is, where do we not self-sabotage? You and me both. I, right? I, I get that, honey. But one of the questions that we started talking about that I kind of brought up, and I, and I bring it up for a lot of people, is do we use sex as a, as a form of self sabotage like we don't deserve to feel pleasure we don't deserve to feel good so we're not going to have that act of intimacy Mm. like maybe sometimes you don't share uh with your partner really nice moments in bed because you're like putting up a wall or you're just not wanting yourself to go there and enjoy it because really sex is enjoyable i mean you start moving into like tantric and uh you know different kinds of sex it's like it's a spiritual thing and those have been here since the beginning of time yeah but this idea especially here in america this is why i think a, a, a gig like this over a podcast like this over in the uk makes a little bit more sense they're a little bit more open and free in europe with the way that they have conversations about sex. I told you I was in Portugal and they have uh, tantric sex parlors or massage parlors everywhere. Everywhere. Like literally on the street, there's signs for it. Or you'll uh, be walking through a mall and you'll see like a parlor and it's just very out and open, right? It's very, very different than how we view things here in the United States. I'll say my mom has always been really fantastic and, and my partner does not have the same relationship. His dad's a pastor and his mom's the first lady of a church. There's no way on earth they're talking about sex. I talk about sex with my mom, not in detail, but I'm very in it, not because she's ever wanted me to, but because I say, like, you're going to know me and you're going to know all parts of me to a degree. You need to know this part of my life. Yeah. Because because sex is a big part of my life. Yeah. And it's a big part of my relationship. And like my mom, for instance, has had sex with two people in her entire life, both named Steve, my dad, my stepdad. So crazy. Right. And to me, that's insane. Like, I I, I also understand, but I remember my grandmother telling her, um, my grandmother telling me that her biggest regret, one of her biggest regrets in life was raising mom to believe that you have to marry the first person you have sex with oh my because God. she married my dad and it was a really terrible relationship and my dad was not the well, right person for her. I wonder, you know, and but I the really Catholic sympathize. Church of it all, that's what they were taught. Of course, but I really sympathize with these older generation. You know, we look at uh, 60s, 70 year olds, even 50 year olds that we're taught. It's one person only who you marry. Yep. And then you're watching these 20-year-olds have all this sexual liberation yes. and freedom. Well, then on top of that, you throw in our community who are all in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s right now who literally thought sex was going to kill them because of the HIV AIDS crisis. And that was the trauma they had to experience. I will quickly say, though, one time uh, before we go, one time we were uh, celebrating Christmas Eve at my grandmother's house years ago before she passed away. My Uh ex-boyfriend, who you know, Ryan, um, he made a joke about oral sex. And our whole entire family was gagging. My grandma was making Coke soakers. It's her drink she would make on Christmas Eve with rum, like basically rum and Coke slushies. And... uh, Everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so awkward. And my grandma says to all of us, our entire family, she goes, you think I haven't done that once or twice in my day? <gasps> grandma? Yes. So, they, so they've experienced some things. Of course they have. They just don't talk freely about it. Of course so not. So this pod- podcast is fantastic. I love so it. Love it. I think it's great. Yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? Yes. Come on, let's talk about sex, okay. shall we? Okay, okay, okay. It's really fascinating. So there's a show on uh, um, Netflix called Sex Education. 
uh, and Jillian Anderson, Anderson stars in that, where basically she's a mother who's a sex ed expert, uh, like a therapist, and she has a younger son, and it shows their unique relationship and how they navigate talking about sex in, 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 in their relationship, right, as a mother and son. Well, another mother-son duo over in London uh, were watching this and said to each other, oh my God, that's literally us. Um, so they decided to create a podcast called The Real Sex Education, and it's blowing up. Take a listen. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, Mum. Oh, Hello, Diggs. <laughs> oh, my God, First that's all, amazing. The guy's name is Diggory. I love that. His mom's name is Kate Campbell. She's been a sex expert for 15 years, and they get real on this podcast. I love it. And I live for it. I love it. You know, I think that initially my reaction was like, oh, my God, I'm so uncomfortable. A mom and a, a son talking sex so openly because mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Like, well, And your mom, your mom is bisexual or lesbian? You know, she, uh, who knows? Yeah, she's, right. whatever. Well, she's been with women. She's, she's predominantly been with women, wanted to be with women, mm-hmm. has been with men. And did she talk to you about that much growing Nothing. up or about your own sexuality? Nothing. Is that we a your mom not- thing or an Italian thing? Both. Yeah. Both. Okay. I mean, listen, like my grandparents didn't talk about that either. Like mm. sex wasn't even something. I'm actually like deep into therapy right now about this, the issue, because you, we didn't even talk about sex as something that was like pleasurable, like mm. something that you could enjoy. Like it was always just an act of having a child. Yep. That's and it. so um, then with my mom, my mom was like very sexually out there. But never had those conversations with me, which led me to a lot of confusion about myself and my own intimacy Mm. issues. And so I actually think it's really, really healthy, this podcast. You know, you just said something that probably for the first time in my life, I actually totally processed another thought because of it uh, in a different way. I think that sometimes when we think of straight people and how they're so afraid of us or they're so like... How dare they? Those queers are so out and they're so proud. How dare they? I think, honestly, a lot of people were taught that sex is for reproduction and that's it. That's all. And we have it for fun. That's all. And they don't. Well, listen to this realization. like that. Okay, so listen to this. I love that point, actually. You're totally right. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes sense. And when I was talking to my therapist, I said, um, you know, because there have been times when I just don't want to be intimate. And I had to go back and look through my life. And I'm like, where do I self-sabotage? Where do I not want myself to be happy? Where do (laughs) I? The easier question is, where do we not self-sabotage? You and me both. I I, I get that, honey. But one of the questions that we started talking about that I kind of brought up, and I I bring it up for a lot of people, is do we use sex as a a, a form of self sabotage like we don't deserve to feel pleasure we don't deserve to feel good so we're not going to have that act of intimacy Mm. like maybe sometimes you don't share uh with your partner really nice moments in bed because you're like putting up a wall or you're just not wanting yourself to go there and enjoy it because really sex is enjoyable i mean you start moving into like tantric and uh you know different kinds of sex it's like it's a spiritual thing and those have been here since the beginning of time yeah but this idea especially here in america this is why i think a, a, a gig like this over a podcast like this over in the uk makes a little bit more sense they're a little bit more open and free in europe with the way that they have conversations about sex. I told you I was in Portugal and they have uh, tantric sex parlors or massage parlors everywhere. 
everywhere. Like literally on the street, there's signs for it. Or you'll walk, uh, you're walking through a mall and you'll see like a parlor and it's just very out and open, right? It's very, very different than how we view things here in the United States. I'll say my mom has always been really fantastic and, and my partner does not have the same relationship. His dad's a pastor and his mom's the first lady of a church. There's no way on earth they're talking about sex. I talk about sex with my mom, not in detail, but I, I'm very in it. Not because she's ever wanted me to, but because I say like, you're going to know me and you're going to know all parts of me to a degree. You need to know this part of my life. Yeah. Because because sex is a big part of my life. Yeah. And it's a big part of my relationship. And like my mom, for instance, has had sex with two people in her entire life, both named Steve, my dad, my stepdad. So crazy. Right. And to me, that's insane. Like, I, I, I also understand. But I remember my grandmother telling her, um, my grandmother telling me that her biggest regret, one of her biggest regrets in life was raising mom to believe that you have to marry the first person you have sex with oh my because God. she married my dad and it was a really terrible relationship and my dad was not the well, right person for her. I wonder, you know, and but I the really Catholic sympathize. Church of it all, that's what they were taught. Of course, but I really sympathize with these older generation. You know, we look at uh, 60s, 70 year olds, even 50 year olds that we're taught it's one person only who you marry. Yep. And then you're watching these 20-year-olds have all this sexual liberation yes. and freedom. Well, then on top of that, you throw in our community who are all in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s right now who literally thought sex was going to kill them because of the HIV AIDS crisis. And that was the trauma they had to experience. I will quickly say, though, one time uh, before we go, one time we were uh, celebrating Christmas Eve at my grandmother's house years ago before she passed away. And my uh-huh. ex-boyfriend, who you know, Ryan, um, he made a joke about oral sex. And our whole entire family was gagging. My grandma was making Coke soakers. It's her drink she would make on Christmas Eve with rum, like basically rum and Coke slushies. And... Uh, Everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so awkward. And my grandma says to all of us, our entire family, she goes, you think I haven't done that once or twice in my day? Ah! Grandma? Yes. So, they, uh, so they've experienced some things. Of course they have. They just don't talk freely about it. Of course so not. So this pod- podcast is fantastic. I love so, it. Love it. I think it's great. Welcome back to The Morning Beat, a major announcement that could affect the world of music festivals around the the world, actually, but definitely here in the United States, and specifically in the Coachella Valley. Michaela Gordon, what's poppin'? All right, well, there's a lot going on, Henny, and what's poppin'? Um, and I need to get to the article. I'm so sorry. I am right here, and uh, it's going to be the Coachella, which I'm upset. Have you ever been to Coachella? No, I was so excited to go when I took this job, and then everything went wonky. Okay, Coachella's the most fun, besides the fact that Lisa um, tried... What is it? Beyond meat, and then had a horrible allergic reaction. Oh, Beyond meat makes me cramp. It has sunflower oil in it, and Lisa's definitely allergic to sunflowers. Oh, and a lot of sodium too. Yeah. Besides that, it was iconic. Um, so Coachella uh, is going to no longer require COVID vax for entry, and we're watching. I everywhere I go, they are requiring vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, even the gym, everywhere. Yep. But they've also realized that they're getting a lot of pushback. People can't really uh not everyone's getting vaccinated well, especially period. young people yeah well they're saying though that they've seen firsthand the low transmission data and successful implementation of safety protocols at their festivals and they say they feel confident that they can safely update their policy for coachella yeah now, they are requiring a negative covid test within 72 hours which has become kind of the standard well so basically this is what dinah shorted when we went to dinah they originally said you have to show proof of vaccination which for us was fine but they lost a few guests. Yeah. So then they said, okay, it's an outdoor event. 
just proof yep. that you tested negative 72 hours before and you can come in. Yeah. And so that's uh, what a lot of people did. And then the show went on. I'll say, though, Dinosaur was a lot lighter than it's ever been. And I don't know if it's because people like lost so much money last year. Well, yeah, I think people are scared. I think both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I, listen, I, I remember when we went to watch you perform, you and Lisa perform in Denver. We were so excited to go, but also like... We had moments of anxiety where we were like, oh, there's a lot of people here. Like, so did I had, Lisa. hadn't been around them in a year and a half. Yep. I know. So. Yeah, well, listen to this low key. So I went to celebrate a friend's birthday last night um, and he sings. He's the, I'm sorry. He's the vocal arranger for Miley Cyrus. And he said that um, Miley has been dealing with uh, severe anxiety, mm. performing in front of audiences again. Yeah. She's doing better. But the pandemic really uh, shifted her mentality because she hasn't performed in front of a large, large audience like that. Yep. Um, but she has this iconic mantra, he said. Uh, sh- the mantra is, I'm going to say it to myself too. She says, um, it's okay having anxiety uh, when doing what I love to do. That's real. And um, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. But, you know, people are really dealing with that. And so uh, I'm happy that uh, that Coachella's still up well, and running and going. Two weekends, April 15th through the 17th and April 22nd through the 24th. Uh, it's so iconic. Ugh. I love it. All right, coming up, uh, we're talking the lottery. Uh, there are horror stories that have happened. Not to be confused with horror stories. Mm. Actual horror stories. Horror. We discuss next. Coming up in our final hour today, what if you won the lottery and then met your tragic end while the ticket was still in your pocket? Just one of the many stories we're going to share with you in just a moment. Lottery horror stories here on The Morning Beat coming up in about 13 minutes. Right now, though, it's time for News on the Beat. Senate candidate and former Ohio treasurer Josh Mandel, who was once denounced by his own family for rejecting his lesbian veteran cousin, was kicked out of a school board meeting by sheriff's officers when he took to the mic to rant about transgender kids in schools in a school district he doesn't even live in. Mandel was asked to speak by Lakota Local School District Board candidate Darby Body when he began. The board members told him to stop because he wasn't a resident or district staff member. This story really just gets my goat. I cannot imagine somebody getting in their vehicle, driving to a district they do not belong or live in to continue hassling trans kids. Now they asked him to stop speaking. He spoke anyway, so the board called a recess, which stopped the meeting from officially being recorded. Attendees, however, kept their cameras rolling as Mandel remained in place at the microphone and declared that the school is using kids as pawns in a political game by requiring students to wear masks. He then took aim at transgender children in the nearly empty room. Um, On top of that, he said children should not be forced to learn about whether they pick a gender or not pick a gender because boys are boys and girls are girls. Now, as officers attempted to escort him out, he doubled down on the board's rules, which state participants in public hearings don't have to be resident if they are designated by a resident to speak. Board President Kelly Casper argued that while those rules are true, Body did not designate a speaker on her behalf, but rather had stated she wanted to yield her time. Good Lord, people cannot mind their own business to save their lives. All right, another news. Two guests on the far-right channel Newsmax, including gay conservative podcaster Dave Rubin, tried to downplay homophobic and racist insults made by former Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden, even going so far as to suggest that he was talking about cigarettes when he called people faggot. 
He said, you know what? Over in Europe, the word faggot's actually for a cigarette. That was said by podcaster David Harris Jr. in a segment on Gruden's emails referring to how fags refer to cigarettes in slang in the UK and Ireland. He said, so who knows if that's what he was talking about? This past week, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times obtained emails uh, sent by Gruden over the past decade that involved slurs, racist and homophobic insults, as well as negative views about minorities, like complaining about queers like Michael Sam in the NFL. Gruden used the word faggot to insult NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, as well as other people with who he had conflicts. He insulted NFL Players Association uh, executive director. Oh God, do it, Justin. Demora Smith. Uh, lip size of Michelin tires in an angry email. Smith is black. Gruden did resign last week and issued a public apology, but conservatives are stepping up to defend him. Harris, who is black, downplayed the racist statement about Smith's lips, saying that it's hilarious to him that in this era of woke culture, people are looking at Gruden's emails from decades ago, even though the first emails are from 2011. Um, hello, doy. It was going on until 2018, and that's what we know. Decades? Give me a break. God. Maybe he got hit too many times in the head. That's why he's talking like that. Uh, okay, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 82 in La Quinta, uh, 81 in Cathedral City, 66 in Sacramento, 73 in St. Louis, a high of, oh, don't fail me now, 59 in Buffalo, 66 in Baltimore, 55 in Seattle, and a high of 72 in Kansas City. Now give us a vibe of the day. Make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous. And then later on this week, you're going to make all the days jealous because Odyssey's We Can Survive at the iconic Hollywood Bowl is this Saturday, October 23rd. Unfortunately, it's sold out. But don't you worry your pretty little face. Channel Q has your chance to win to get in to see Coldplay, Doja Cat, Shawn Mendes, Black Eyed Peas, Maroon 5, and more. Uh, like I said, tickets are sold out, so here's what you got to do. Here's your chance to get in. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com, enter to win four incredible seats and a hotel room for the night. Odyssey's Week and Survive benefits the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Good luck. I'll see you there. Wave at me. I'm six foot five. You can't miss me. Once again, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. Coming up, we're talking lottery horror stories. Imagine winning the lottery at the same time you pass away awful we discuss next all right so we oftentimes i don't know about you michaela but i've spent uh more time than i should in my life imagining what it would be like to win the lottery yes i think it's a pretty common you know dream fantasy situation for people i dream about it every time the big numbers come around once it's like 600 million 700 million dollars right i start imagining what it would be like do i buy a lottery ticket never don't do it. But somehow I think I'm going to win. And I feel like I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Yes. Listen, I uh I love Lisa so much, my partner. And she, you know, doesn't really drink. She doesn't really do doesn't have an addictive personality, not really into a lot of things except for like music and our dogs and me. But she is obsessed with the scratch-off tickets. Mm. And she's obsessed with Powerball. <laughs> and she always gets the scratch-off. She actually won like 100 bucks last week. And it was like, oh, okay. It was like so cute. She like loves it. She's, well, she's obsessed. like my mom. And here's the thing about those. The reason they make money, though, she might have won 100 bucks, But how much has she spent over I the know, years? I my know. My mom spends so much money. Every year for Christmas, uh, we used to get scratch-offs in our, in our stockings. Mom gets them. She gets hundreds of dollars worth. And we're like, oh, you won 100 bucks. On two hundred dollars worth of tickets. Yeah. Sometimes she gets lucky. Yeah. But not often. Uh, but when we're talking big, big money, real money, uh, there are some things you need to be aware of uh, because apparently, 
In some states, if you don't have a current Social Security card, you cannot claim your winnings, which is what one Michigan man uh, ran into just recently. So we're talking about Gregory Jarvis. Uh, He bought a ticket at Blue Water Inn. Uh, He bought a lottery ticket, and uh, he's a regular there. This happened on September 13th. Uh, The ticket was a a winner worth $45,000. Not life-changing, but that's a good chunk of change uh, for any any person. And he was carrying it in his pocket, waiting for his new uh, Social Security card to come in the mail, right? So he could go claim his whatever. So he's got it in his wallet this whole time. Well, while he was out um, tying up a boat... He slipped, apparently, fell, hit his head, (gasps) drowned in the lake, 57 years old. Oh, my God. They retrieved the body. The winning lottery ticket is in his wallet. Stop. Never got to redeem it. He was waiting on the Social Security card. Stop. So, then they look into foul play. They're like, did something go wrong? Is there something amiss? Everybody liked him. Nobody took the ticket. The ticket's still good. His family now has it. But because he didn't have a Social Security card, right? He never got to redeem the ticket and never got the money. I'm gogged. And I mean, obviously, the worst thing is that he lost his life. However, these stories are not that uncommon. Well, they say, like, when you win, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to stay super anonymous because stories like this guy, uh, Abraham Shakespeare in 2006, won $30 million in Florida. Three years later, was murdered. Mm -hmm. He was shot twice in the chest by a person that befriended him after winning the lottery. And I don't know if these people think that they'll somehow get the money Mm. if they kill the person or harm them. But it's like... Well, that's the thing. That's what's so interesting to me because there are a lot of stories like this um, that people all of a sudden they make make some money and then all of a sudden things start to get get really weird. Um, In 1997, Denise Rossi won $1.3 million here in California, immediately filed for divorce from her husband. (laughs) That kind of tracks. That makes sense. Two years later, uh, her husband discovered she won the lottery, (laughs) didn't even know, took her to court. He sued her for not disclosing her winnings in the divorce, and the judge awarded him every cent because she lied to him. This is insane. So when you win, if you win, there are a couple of things to do, depending on what state you're in. First of all, get a financial account. Get somebody, somebody. to help you with the finances because you, you, if you go from having nothing to having so much, I'm gonna give you, you think, an example. I don't want to spend $150,000 on somebody. Listen, I don't want to waste that money. This you happened should. to a woman. It literally happened to her. She worked at a wig shop. She won $18 million in uh, 1993. That's monopoly money. Yeah. $18 million? Crazy. So she was getting an annual payout of $620,000 a month. And then, I'm sorry, a year. And then... She took the opportunity to buy a million-dollar home, decided she didn't want the payments anymore. She just wanted the lump sum amount. And then 10 years later, at 60 years old, she had to file for bankruptcy and was left with $2.5 million in debt. That's insane. And that's the thing about what? money. How do you go through $18 million? Look, Well, look at Erica Jane right now and what she's going through with her husband, Tom well, I don't Girardi. think Janet Lee from South Korea was trying to be Erica Jane. No, but they do. They start blowing money on things without thinking about the repercussions. Ugh. You start spending on your family, buy your family members cars, buy pay off somebody's mortgage. You're trying to be a cool guy. You go on vacations that you don't need to go on, go shopping, buying stuff online on QVC all the time and don't think twice about it. Nuts. You might have Amazon packages she's probably had arrive at her place yeah, over the years. True. I mean, this is what happens when you go from having nothing to having something because you don't hear regularly that people who are millionaires are getting kidnapped or their lives are getting threatened or they're getting, you know, shot. To try to get money. No. If you had money your whole life, people don't bug you. Yeah. But if all of a sudden 
you come into some money and you have millions of dollars and your friend and family circles are all still just regular folks who maybe, you know, are making just average wages to them. It's mind blowing. So yeah. Be careful. Be careful. And, be careful. And, and 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 do something to that ticket. Don't keep it in your pocket. That's right. And don't hit your head and die. Poor man. That is so sad. Yeah. Can we not do that, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Tell me something good. This is a little heartbreaking, but also very uplifting. Uh, if you're a pet lover, you can relate to this story. This is a story about a dog named Maggie. So Maggie was suffering from cancer and a lot of pain, and her owners decided they had to put her down. All right. But not before doing something really, really fantastic that a local uh, Parks and Recreation Center got involved in. This is in Salt Lake City. The Salt Lake City Ice Center decided to give them buckets of ice shavings from the rink so the owners could make a mound of snow in their yard because Maggie's favorite thing in her time on Earth was to play in the snow. So they made it snow in the fall. Oh my God, this is so cute. so beautiful. I love stories like this. And I'm going to tell you, this dog, these photos of this dog just laying in snow with her, with her tennis ball, happy as can be in her final day, is the most uplifting thing in the entire world. I'm not even, I'm going to tell you, two days after we got our puppy Kingston, he's about to turn one next month. Two days after, I looked at Emil and I said, in 15 years or so, he's going to die. And I'm not ready for that. And he said, why would you say that to me? He's like, why would you bring that up? Like, I don't know because I'm so attached already. I'm in love with him. I'm obsessed with him. I can't imagine saying goodbye, but I sure as heck will do everything I can to make his final days on earth so special. A friend of mine was just doing this. Um, I was just doing this yesterday. I was on her social media and she has a, a Labrador uh, and he's an old guy. And she decided to bake a whole bunch of homemade treats for him and then also give him Christmas stockings. And put a Christmas hat on him. So cute. Santa hat because she says he's not going to make it to Christmas. And Christmas is his favorite holiday. Mm. And so she baked a whole bunch of treats and she said her dog ate 12 treats. Oh my God, (laughs) And they they have to put them down now too. But it's just, listen, pets are so special. They're so special. You know how we feel about our dogs here at the Morning Beat. Of course, we're obsessed. Maggie, may you rest in peace. We hope your final day was incredible, honey. All right. Well, this story is hilarious. It has to do with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Now, a Georgia mother named Tamara Stevens pulled her son Luke out of class to have lunch with Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda, but the teacher, Ms. Rossner, did not quite believe her. So uh, Ms. Stevens took to Twitter to share a video of her son and Miranda, uh, who apologized to Ms. Rossner for Luke missing her U.S. history class. Take a listen. Ms. Rossner, this is Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm sorry. Uh, he can't be in U.S. history class right now, but he's with me. We're going to go over Bill of Rights um, and anything you may be covering right now. We cover we cover a lot of it in about two and a half hours at Hamilton, but we're going to go over it in specifics now. So this is not lost time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for excusing him from class. <laughs> this is incredible. That's so funny. Imagine being the teacher and getting that and being like, uh-huh, got it. Okay, feel like a moron. That's so cute. I love that. Well, that is the end of uh, of our Tell Me Something Good. We always like to remind you that Tell Me Something Good is brought to you by McDonald's. At any moment that can give you a sweet relief is a moment to look forward to now for a limited time. At McDonald's, get a small McCafe pumpkin spice latte, hot or ice for $2. Prices may vary. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. We have a great show for you tomorrow, so make sure you're listening. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 